Good morning. Uh, good morning to everyone. My name is uh, Dan. I'm part of the leadership team uh, here at the, at the church. And over the last uh, three months, um, if you've been with us, you will know that we've been uh, teaching through um, what is known as a Sermon on the Mount. Uh, this is uh, teaching that Jesus delivered to his disciples. Uh, we find it in the book of Matthew. And Jesus is teaching his, uh, those who, who are listening what it is to live as followers of Jesus, what it is to live as citizens of heaven, what it, it means for Jesus to be our king. Jesus being our king changes how we view the world and it changes how we act. We're therefore not looking what is popular or the dominant view in culture to decide what we believe and what, how we behave, but instead we want to know what Jesus says and follow him. We've seen how Jesus being king changes how we view others. It changes our friendships. It changes our uh, marriages and relationships. It changes how we care for the needy. And then Jesus begins to focus on, okay, what does it mean? How should we relate to the king as followers? Hannah shared about prayer and Sue shared two weeks ago about fasting. And it's really important as we approach this to understand that Jesus being king does not mean he forces his rule onto us. That if you're living in any other kingdom, then you don't choose whether you submit to the rule of that nation. We live under the rule of the, the queen in this country, and that means we submit to the rules of this land and the laws of this land. And if we don't, we end up facing punishment. We find this in the Bible, stories like Daniel. Daniel wants to pray to God, and then a law comes in. You can only pray to King Darius, and he ends up in a lion's den because he will not pray to an earthly king. But when it comes to Jesus, uh, he invites us to follow him. He is king. It's, it, that doesn't change. The Bible tells us that there is a day coming when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. But in the meantime, we have a choice to make about whether we will submit to his kingship in our lives. You know, back in the, the Garden of Eden, we find Adam and Eve, they're given choices and they're given freedom. God uh, creates them. He has every right to exert his authority on them, but he doesn't because he has and always will be interested in partnering with humanity. He gives us the option to walk away. That's what Adam and Eve do, and that's what every one of us chooses to do. And so when we choose to follow Jesus, we accept this gift of grace. We allow Jesus' death to cover our rebellion. We are choosing in that moment to make him king. And as well as Jesus being king, when we follow Jesus, we also receive adoption into God's family. Ephesians 1 verse 5 says, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. Through Jesus, we are now sons and daughters of the king. This isn't a king ruling over his minions. This is a king caring for his children, inviting them into a relationship with him, showing them how life works best. And so when we cover those couple of topics before, prayer and fasting, it's really important to, to understand that Jesus isn't demanding performance or else. Jesus instead is inviting us into a relationship with our Father. God desires to lavish his affection on you today. He desires to be with us. And these things, prayer and fasting, give us means to access him. You know, notice that in the Lord's Prayer that Hannah shared a few weeks ago, Matthew 6, it begins with our Father. 
Jesus invites us to follow him, to allow uh, him to be king in our lives, and he invites us into intimacy with our Father. But then Jesus also wants to prepare us about what it is to live as citizens of heaven in this world. We are exiles. We don't belong here. We have a heavenly home awaiting for us. We are just passing through this world. And Jesus knows that this world has many distractions, many things that are going to compete for our attention. You know, we have an enemy that is at work, an enemy that wants to distract us from living in the kingdom of God. He wants to use the things of this world to keep us from stepping into God's purposes. And so in this next part that we're going to read in Matthew 6, Jesus is covering two of those distractions. The first one being a love for the things of this world. And secondly, anxiety or worry for the things of this world. So uh, we're going to cover, um, I'm going to cover this week what it is to love the things of this world. And then next week, we're going to look at what it is to live in a way which doesn't submit to the anxiety or worry that the world presents. So if you've got a Bible with you, turn to Matthew 6. We're going to read 19 to 21. Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasure in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In this passage, Jesus speaks about treasure. We can immediately think that uh, he's talking about money. And then we, so we interpret this passage, you know, don't accumulate lots of wealth because eventually you're going to lose it all. But when Jesus speaks about treasure, he is speaking about so much more than just money. And so I wonder what is your treasure today? Maybe it is money. Maybe it is possessions. Maybe your status or your job. Maybe relationships. Maybe your home. Maybe your reputation. Now, none of these things are necessarily bad. Most of them are are gifts given to us by God to enjoy. But the problem is, as the author Tim Keller puts it, when good things become ultimate things. When we allow the things of this world to become more important to us than Jesus. And the issue with this is not, I don't think any of us start out with the intention of allowing these things to take Jesus' place as number one in our lives. But being in this world means we are slowly desensitized to the things of this world. And what happens is we slowly look more and more like the world without really noticing it. You didn't start your career treasuring money. But every pay rise you got, you, you, know, you, you relied less on God a little You started to accumulate and started to enjoy a certain standard of living. And then you always need a little bit more. And 40 years down the line, you you make the majority of your decisions financially motivated. You are gripped by greed. Or maybe you started exercising just to be healthy. And initially you enjoyed that your body looked a little bit fitter. But then you you started reading about new diets and health regimes to help you continue your fitness. But now it's become an addiction and... Uh, if you're not exercising, you're reading about it or you're talking about it. Or maybe, maybe you, didn't, you, know, you didn't start out serving in church um, for praise of man, but you wanted to serve God. But over time, you started enjoying the encouragement that it gave you, knowing that people relied on you, gave you a sense of purpose. And now every decision you make is aimed at keeping people happy. You say yes to every single request as you rely more on what others think of you and your reputation than the identity God gives you. 
Do you know, a subtle shifts over time increases our love for the things of this world. And you know, we all have examples of, of the ways that we have taken good gifts from God and made them into idols. Working hard, having a career, keeping your body healthy, serving in church life, these are all good things. But we can easily allow them to become treasure that we value above all other things. And Jesus uses this term treasure. He's not concerned about the amount we have. I, I think you can be a follower of Jesus living in Silicon Valley as much as you can be a follower of Jesus in a slum in India. What Jesus gets at here is our attitude towards what we have. Because no matter what it is or how small it is, if it is everything to you, then it is your treasure and that is what you are living for. And when we look to the things of this world to satisfy and to deliver only what God can, we will always be disappointed. Jesus tells us in this passage, you know, do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Treasure of this world will not last. After the year that we've just had, I don't think I need to tell you that. 23rd of March 2020, I, I, I think it's a date that we will remember for a long time as a, as a nation we went into lockdown. And suddenly our lives changed forever. Those things we took for granted, going to the shops, seeing friends and family, drinking coffee on Newell and Ave, going to the office every day, suddenly it was all taken away. In a moment, church changed. Everything we had built suddenly was subjected to the test of covid and in some areas, we thrived. Like personally, I've been able to rebuild some healthier patterns in my own life over the last year. I've been able to enjoy being with family more. I've got some healthier patterns of rest. Um, I've been able to go out and run more, although I, I have to be honest, um, my exercise frequency has took a nosedive since the weather got colder. Um, but in many areas, there's, there's been thriving personally, and I don't know if you've got areas that you've thrived. In church, I think we have thrived as a family. I quickly realized you, you cannot uh, lead and pass the 250 people individually during lockdown. But the way our growth groups have served each other, the way the leaders have cared for the groups, hearing stories of how people have called and visited other church members and just been there for when people struggle. I, um, I, I'm going to embarrass Christine, who's in the room, but the way uh, Christine would just set up her diary and would just book in coffee phone calls with people and just spend her week ringing people and chatting with people. And I heard that, I was like, oh my word, it's the way that we have cared for one another. There is no greater joy in leading the church than seeing when we are being family without organizing and without having to prompt seeing how you responded as a church family to uh, the Mashigo family after Rigobert died. We've thrived in many ways. But also, this year's been really tough. Not being able to be together, having to close the building, seeing ministries that we've invested for years having to completely change or stop altogether for a season. I didn't come into church leadership to sit behind a camera. And there were some Sundays where I wanted to switch off don't know about you, but I just thought, just let's wait until we can be back in person again and until we can sing and have masks off again. But you know, one of the biggest things I think we've learned this year is that God is in control and we are not. I think everything that we build, even the good stuff, even the stuff that God is blessing, in a moment it can be taken away. Job realizes this, and we read it in the book of Job, where he realizes that it drives him to worship. He says, naked from my, I came from my mother's womb and naked I will depart. 
The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the, Lord, may the name of the Lord be praised. You see, this lack of control that we have felt over this last year, the fragility of life, it could lead us just to give up, but Jesus invites us to do something else. He says, but store up for yourselves treasure in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. I really believe that this is a moment. We are living in this moment now where there is an invitation from God for renewal, both individually and corporately as a church. Renewal happens when we realign ourselves with God's presence, with his plans and with his purposes. I think we've got to be honest at times and say that we've invested our time and our energy and our devotion into the things of this world rather than treasure in heaven. This is a moment where we have a choice to make. How will we fill our diaries when we can do more? What we will, will we turn our hands to? How will we use our finances? What will we prioritize as a church? What activities will we engage with? In this moment, we are invited to realign ourselves with God, to store up treasure, not of this earth, but treasure in heaven. So what does it look like to store up treasure in heaven? Well, firstly, storing up treasure in heaven is not removing ourselves from the world, not just trying to survive until we make it into heaven, you know, keeping ourselves holy by keeping ourselves separate. Just look at the model of Jesus. You will find someone who spent all his time with unholy people yet never since. Storing up treasure is also not about rejecting what the world has to offer. We don't all need to become monks. We don't all need to give, just give ourselves to what we feel is more spiritual. You know, I'm just going to give all my time to prayer and Bible reading. You know, in the Hebrew, there is no such word as spiritual. Because a biblical understanding of spiritual is that all of my life is spiritual. The work that you have been called to is not a distraction that stops you from serving God, but it is deeply spiritual. It's not about surviving Monday to Saturday so you can get back to church on a Sunday. We are followers of Jesus made in the image of God. And we are given this mandate in Genesis 1. God tells Adam and Eve, says, be fruitful, multiply and fill the earth, subdue it and have dominion over it. We are called to create, to cultivate, to steward all that God has given us. What we do with our lives really matters to God. And that's why Paul in 1 Corinthians 10, 31 says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do it, do it for the glory of God. Whether you clean the office, teaching the school, meet in the boardroom, look after children, build, design, speak, care for, do it for the glory of God because that is what you have been created for. Now, I know Genesis 1 doesn't end there. Sin enters the world and work becomes hard work. We live in a fallen world. The work that we do isn't always going to be enjoyable or easy, but what we do really matters because it has eternal consequences. The end of the Bible doesn't tell a story of us living in a cloud in heaven, but living on a city, in a city, the new earth with Jesus ruling. Could do a whole series on theology of work, maybe one day. But what is important for us to note today is that it is important that we see that those who have been faithful to God with what God has given them will receive their reward. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 3, but each one should build with care. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay or straw, their work will be shown up for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. 
it will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but will be saved, even, as only, uh, even though only as one escaping through the flames. We will be held accountable for what God has given us to steward. How did we care for the world that he entrusted to us? Did we take the Great Commission seriously? Did we go and make disciples? Did we care for the weak amongst us? Jesus speaks of this moment of judgment in Matthew 25 and says, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison, you came to visit me. And then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in? Or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go and visit you? And the king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for the last of the, least of these brothers and sisters, you did for me. How are we storing up treasures in heaven? This week, as you gather as growth groups, I would love you to look at these questions. Do you see what you have as a gift from God to use, or do you feel like you own them? Because that will change how you steward what God has. How are you using these things to bring God glory? What are the things that you are most in danger of making ultimate things? How would you know if something had taken Jesus' place as number one in your life? Do you see your work? No, it's work, not employment. What has God called you to? Do you see your work as a blessing or a distraction? I wonder if the band would join me. Renewal happens when we realign ourselves with God's presence, his plans, and his purposes. This morning, I just, I woke up with uh, three words in my head, and that was presence over progress. Presence over progress. As we step into this new season, will we just look at how we can accumulate stuff Will we just see how busy we can get? Will we just make it about these moments? Now, how can I advance my career? How can I have a, a good life? How can I store up the things of this world? What the world would say is progress. Or will we go after presence? Will we say, actually, I'm going to be someone who seeks after God? As a church, we wanna, I, I want to invite us to spend some this, these next few months to really review what we are doing. As a church, you know, our church activities, chance to ask those questions. Is this what God is still calling us to? Some things will stay the same. Some things will change. Some things will stop and new things will replace it, but also would ask you to do the same in your own life. Where have you prioritized progress over presence? Where do you need to recommit again to what God is calling you to? to recommit to, to seeking him above all other things, to not seeking the things of this world, but seeking the kingdom. Renewal happens when we realign ourselves with God's presence, his plans, and his purposes. 
Will we commit to his presence again? Will we give ourselves to his plans? Will we find his purposes for us? What would renewal look like in your life this year? I'm going to hand over to the band in a moment, but wherever you are, why don't you just stand with me? Why don't you just, I believe God wants to speak to us. Why don't you just place your hands out in front of you wherever you are watching today? And Lord, I do pray you would come by your Holy Spirit. I thank you that we, we have access to your presence today. That you, you come by your Holy Spirit, whether we're in this room, whether we're in our living room, whether we're in this city or somewhere else. Lord, you desire to meet with us. And I just pray you would come by your Spirit now and you would speak afresh to us. Lord, would you create a hunger in us for your presence. May we be people who would seek after your kingdom above all other things. Lord, where there are idols that we have placed above you, may they be teared down today. Lord, where we have prioritized progress over presence, would you come and by your spirit change our hearts? Lord, would you stare us again for this next season? We don't know what it's going to look like, but we want to see your glory made known in our lives and in the lives of those in our city and beyond. Lord, we want to see your glory, and Lord, we pray whatever is stopping your glory being known, would you strip it away? Where we personally need to change, would you come and help us? Lord, would you come by your spirit now? Would you give us dreams of the future? Would you give us vision for what you're going to do? Would you again help us connect all that you have given us with, that, with all you've called us to? Lord, would we see what you have placed in our hands and be willing to use it for your glory? Would you come and renew our hearts? And as you renew our hearts, would you come and renew our church? And would you come and renew our city? Would you come and renew our nation? And would you come and renew our nations? Come and breathe fresh life onto us this morning, Lord.